Romans chapter 8, and so uh, we're studying a book of Romans, grace and peace to you, and so we've come through chapter 8, down through verse 27, or 25, sorry, in our last session, and Paul here is, is presenting the solution to the problem that he's been talking about since the beginning of chapter 2, really is how we as believers can have a life that pleases God, a life that is beneficial to God. We can't get it through the law. You can't get born again through the law. You can't get saved. You can't be redeemed through the law. You can't be justified by the law. Paul has covered those things over and over and over, and it's only through the work of Jesus Christ and our faith in what he has done. So it is by faith that we have been justified, not by our works, not by our abilities. But then once we are saved, then we fall back on that old way again. We go back to the law and we try to live by the law. We try to perform and, and evaluate our productivity for the Lord uh, based upon the law, upon what the law says about this and do this and don't do that. And, and so, <clears throat> so many things that the church gets distracted into. And we can't be, as Paul points out in chapter, especially chapter 6 and then into chapter 7, we, we can't please God through the law. We just can't. We couldn't before we were saved, and you can't now. But you can please God by living by the Spirit. And that's what he introduces in chapter 8. And so this, this glorious truth that comes to us uh, through chapter 8 is the Spirit. And as we've said, the Holy Spirit was hardly mentioned in the first seven chapters, three times in all those seven chapters. But now in this one chapter, 14 times that he brings up the Holy Spirit as it applies to the life of the believer. And so all these different ways that the Spirit is going to lead us, that he is the one that we follow after. And so now we listen to the Spirit. We follow after the Spirit. We're not following the law, but will the Spirit not also lead us to fulfill all the things that God desires? Yes, exactly. And so it is that through the Spirit, we can please God, and we can fulfill all those things that God desires for people to do, Uh, that humanity might glorify him on this earth, we do by following the Spirit, not by living by the law. And so the beauty of that is the Holy Spirit lives in us. He's not just outside telling us, talking to us, speaking to us, writing to us. He's, He's in us. And so we talked about the, the work of the Holy Spirit as, as first John or the Gospel of John, chapters 14 and chapter 16, Jesus said, I'm going to leave you a better comforter, <laughs> someone who's better, as I like to call it, the coach. And he's going to live in you. and He's going to fulfill everything. He'll lead you. He'll teach you. He'll, he'll encourage you. He'll challenge you. Uh, he'll correct you. And we, we have that inside. And so that is the glorious benefit that we have. Then in our last session, uh, we came to this section starting in verse uh, 17 where Paul talks about, Romans chapter 8, verse 17, where he talks about the challenges that we face. 
in this fallen world. We live in a fallen world. And this world is broken. And it's painful sometimes. And so there are things in this world that don't fit. And so Paul says in that opening passage that the sufferings of this world are not to be compared to the glory that's going to be revealed afterwards. And so the Spirit of God lives in us to help us through this broken world time and helps us to live in peace, to draw upon the help and the wisdom and the direction and the hope that God gives. And so we have, we're surrounded by a creation that's fallen, and we ourselves groan against some of these things at times. And... Um, that's not just talking about, you know, when you get older and you're trying to get up from the couch. But there is groaning. And so these are, these are things that in this world, it's like... And the idea of groaning is an interesting thing because the way that this word is used consistently in Scripture has to do with a frustration. And it's a, it's a frustration that something isn't right. And something, something is wrong. And so the, the groaning, Jesus groaned. Remember at Lazarus' tomb. And there was a groaning. And that was against the frustration of the discouragement that death, the hopelessness that death presented to people, even people that knew him, that believed his message. Yet when they experienced death, there was this Ah, uh, everything's gone. Even Mary complained to Jesus, Mary of Bethany. And it was that same kind of frustration. Well, creation is frustrated. Because creation knows that there's coming a better time. Amen. God has already spoken of it. Now you think, aren't you, aren't you kind of over-animating you know, creation and anthropomorphism is what they call it. It's like creation now groans, but there's going to be a day when the trees will clap their hands. And the trees are just waiting for that day. You say, how, how do they know that? The Bible says so. Get over it. The scripture tells us the oceans are waiting, the mountains are waiting. Because there's coming a release. But how long? That's the groaning. How long? How long? And some of us, often, we look at circumstances that enter our life. We look at situations that are in the world. And we say, how long? How long? But there's coming a day. Isn't that true? There's coming a day. So now we come down to Paul almost, it's like he, he stops, he would almost start another chapter here, but he ties it together with what he's already been talking about. And so let's read in your notes there, Romans chapter 8, verse 26. This is lesson 53, our divine prayer partner, Romans chapter 8. Verse 26, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. 
For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And then in verse 28 is like one of the crowning verses of all the New Testament, but we'll tie into that in the coming lesson. So since the beginning of chapter 8, Paul has been talking about the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit can do. And how many are glad that the Holy Spirit helps you live for Him? Amen. You know that I live by the Spirit. I'm led by the Spirit, not by the law, because the law produces death, but the Spirit produces life. And so the law produces hopelessness. The Spirit produces joy and expectation. And so since chapter 8, Paul has been talking about this new uh, way that God has given to believers. How we can live out the righteousness that God put on the inside of us. And so God desires for us to demonstrate this righteousness to the, to the world. That's our testimony. But we can't do it without help. And so God has put his spirit in us to help us. And so the Holy Spirit is there as a gift to the believers. He is our comforter. He's our helper. He's our teacher, our leader. He's our divine coach. But that's not all. Because there's more. And that's what Paul introduces with this very next statement. So, verse 26, the very first word, likewise. Or, in other translations, in the same manner. Or, in a parallel way, in another way. And so what Paul is going to introduce is something that the Spirit is doing that is like something that he's already been talking about. Likewise, just as and so when I read words like in the, in the same manner or likewise, my first thought is, like what? In, in the same manner as what? You say, in the same manner, I want you to walk in the same manner as I do. What, if I say as I do, that's good. But if I just say, I want you to walk in the same way. The same way as what? A chicken? You know, a dog? <laughs> what do you want me to what what do you want me to walk in the same manner as? So here he says, I want you to realize that the spirit does something in a manner similar to what I've been talking about. And so we have to go all the way back to verse 14 in a sense the entire chapter, but actually if we just look at verses 14 through 17, we get a good picture of what this likewise is that Paul is speaking of. What is this thing that the Spirit is going to do in same manner? In the same manner. Not the same thing, but in the same manner. So verse 14 says, Romans 8, 14, For all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, 
heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And so Paul says, likewise, the Spirit helps our weakness. Like, just like the Holy Spirit is in you to help you live, to help you produce this character of the sons of God, God doesn't just say, hey, you're my sons, act like it. Remember I had that from your parents? Grow up! Well, into what? You know, you know some, some order that I've been given, and I was like, I, I don't know how to do it. But the Spirit is in us to help us be and live as sons of God. So I can't live like a son of God if I don't have help. I, guess I, can't, just, I can't just do that. I can't just produce. I can't produce righteousness. I couldn't before the law. I can't now, but I have the Holy Spirit. The Spirit will help me produce righteousness out of my life. All right? So the Holy Spirit is the one who is helping in the same way, in the same manner as the Holy Spirit is helping you to produce righteousness or what we would then call sanctification to live a life that is glorifying God, just as the Holy Spirit helps us do that, he's going to help us do something else. He's going to help our weakness. And so the Holy Spirit is going to help our weakness. What weakness? Well, we got all kinds of weaknesses in life. Is that true? I mean, there's all kinds of things. Weaknesses. You know, sometimes we feel more strength than the other times we feel. Um, age has a way of helping us to understand weakness, right? Um, cold days help us to understand weakness, right? So weather, you know, different situations bring about different experiences of weakness. But Paul's not just talking general weakness. He's going to define the weakness that he's speaking of here. And so, likewise, the Spirit is going to help our weakness. Now, the first thing I want you to notice, bottom of your first page there, is there's help, and then there is help. All right, so I put two different words for help there. There's help, and then there is help. Because the word that Paul is going to use for help here is different than a word he's used anywhere else in the New Testament. It's, it's, Paul never uses it again. Peter never uses it again. John never uses it. James never uses it. This is a, this is a word that is only used here because it's, it's specific. It's very direct about what this weakness is and how the Holy Spirit is going to work. And so this is not like every other help. So we've looked at John chapter 14 and 16, right? John chapter 14, it says, I'm going to give you another, what? Helper. Helper. Different word. Totally different word. Not even close to the same word. It's not a derivative of it. It's not even associated with it. I'm going to give you another. Just because we define that as a helper doesn't mean it's the same thing as here. Because what the Holy Spirit is going to do in John 14 and John 16, what Jesus is speaking of is the Holy Spirit is our parakletos. 
And parakletos has to do with the one who is called to your side to teach you, to encourage you, to coach you, to lead you, to challenge you, to correct you. He's that divine coach that Jesus said. But the better thing is he's not just beside you, he's in you. And so this is a, this is a glorious thing that the Lord is doing. He's going to help us. And that's John 14 and 16. Thank God for the Holy Spirit, Amen. our helper, right? Amen. And he's there in so many different ways in our life and so many different activities. And so it is the Holy Spirit. He brings us into union with Jesus Christ. He reproduces the character and the life of God on the inside of us. Uh, it is the Spirit that baptizes us into Christ. And so the Holy Spirit does all kinds of things. But this one... And Romans 8, 26 is something totally different than any place else. So, it's a good thing we have a coach. It's a good thing we have a teacher, a encourager, a challenger. How many have ever felt challenged by the Lord? Come on. Challenged. Yeah. But there's another kind of help. So, turn to the top of your next page. Here's another word, and this word, like I said, is only found here in this passage. Another word for helper, so specific, so direct, that Paul couldn't say it with any other word. You know, sometimes, just because a word is used a lot of times, means it's really important. Other times, because it's found one time, it's so important that there was no other word that could say what that word says. And that's what this word is. And so here it is. Everybody look there. It's top there. Here it is. Get ready for this. Soon anti lambano. Sounds like a dance, doesn't it? Or a mixed drink or something. Soon anti lambano. And it's actually more than that because it's got verb endings on it, and it's, it's like I, I, I can't even say it. But soon anti lambano. And it's made up actually of three different Greek words. Soon, anti, and lambano. And so these three words come together to make a word that is so unique, but so specific as to what the Holy Spirit is going to help us in this passage. Likewise, he helps our weakness. Just like he helps us live, here's another kind of help. Here's a new kind of help. Here's a specific, specific, very direct, fine point help that the Holy Spirit gives. What the word means. You take the different words. Soon, anti. Lombano. Here's what it means. To take hold with you. So it's someone who takes hold with you soon, with you, against, that's the auntie, to take hold together with you against the weight of something that you may be carrying. All right? To take hold together with you against the weight. Or we could say it is one who helps us when we are working against the weight of the problem. So this is the one who steps in to help you when you're working against the weight of the problem. 
Now, I tried to think of some different examples of this, and, uh, and I have to um, apologize to my bride. But um, there are, when we were in the Navy, she was a Lieutenant JG, and I was enlisted. I was just an enlisted, as we call them, pardon the phrase, puke. I was just an enlisted, didn't matter, didn't matter how many stripes I had, how far up in the line I came, she was an officer, and I was a puke. All right, just miserable, cast away. Although she deigned to marry me, I thought it would be okay if I could... She could walk into the ward and say to all of the young sailors that were there in the hospital ward, I want you to help me move these beds. Which meant what? She's going to stand there and they're going to move the beds. Right? That's what it means. Help me when an officer says that. Yeah. I'm not bringing that into my marriage. I didn't say that. Didn't say that at all. I'm only using the analogy of her being a Lieutenant JG. But that's not this word. See, that's when I say, help me move the piano, and I stand over to the side while you move the piano. Because I'm entitled. I'm a Lieutenant JG. No. Um, this word is a picture of two people grabbing hold of a heavy weight. And the idea of anti actually is more than just against. It means almost to, to face. So they're, they're facing one another. So think of two people trying to carry a heavy log. And one goes to one end and one comes to this end. And you pick up your end, I pick up my end. Right? Against the weight of this log. Against the weight of this thing. Now, here's the point. If I don't pick up my end, the Holy Spirit's not going to pick up his. So it's to work together, right? So soon anti lumbano, to take hold together against the weight of the problem. And the problem is a weakness that we'll talk about here in just a minute. So the, the Holy Spirit is going to do this, but he's not going to do it if I'm not going to do it. It's not the Holy Spirit doing it. This is not entitlement, help me carry this. This is involvement. If I pick up the weight, he picks up the weight. If I put down the weight, he puts down the weight. And so the idea here is that we are trying to carry. And the thing is, the lumbano has to do with a heavy weight, a burden, something that is, has been laid upon you. And so this is, this is not assigning someone to do it. This is not you telling the Holy Spirit to do this for you. It's not the Holy Spirit stepping in and doing it for you. It's him doing it. Well, you're doing it, and if you're not, he's not. All right? Now, what is the weakness? Next point. 
What is this weakness? Part C of this phrase. The Spirit helps our weaknesses. What is the weakness? What specifically is the weakness that Paul is talking about? We do not know how to pray as we ought to know how to pray. You have to put the second phrase in there. We do not know how to pray as is necessary, one translation says. Or another says, we don't know how to pray as is required. And it's even more specific than that, as we'll see in just a minute. But the idea here is that I am, I am trying to do something that I don't have the information for. My weakness is that I don't know what to pray. Anybody been there before? I don't know what to pray. And I'm, well, I may know I'm, I'm praying about this person's sickness or disease or this situation, but I don't have the words. I don't, I don't, I don't have the idea. I don't know exactly what God is, how God is, when God is. I, I don't have any of that. I don't know. I know what I I know I want what I want God to do, but I don't always know what his will is. You say, well, his will is his word. Well, there's a lot of things that need to be done in this world that I can't find in the Bible. It's like weather's coming. I can't find a all the verses, you know. I don't know if there's a verse in there that's gonna help me with, with the weather or the I gotta hole in my roof, you know, or whatever, you know. There's all kinds of things that we need help with. Somebody needs healing, but I, I don't know how God is going to do that. I don't know what God wants to do. I don't know where he's going to send these people. I don't even, sometimes I don't even know their name. Eric, in our congregation, had a word Sunday about somebody with a heart issue. He, he didn't even know who it was. It was just somebody here has a heart issue and God wants to do something about it. So, the idea is that, that there, are, there is a breakdown of knowledge. I mean, you know, we are people who want knowledge. I want knowledge. I want to know everything. I want to know everything. I want to know things about which I have no business to know anything about. I want to know things that nobody needs me to know. I want to know stuff that nobody cares about. I, I, I read books that nobody cares. It's like, I don't care. Just ask me. I know things that you don't even want to know about. Sometimes we know things that you don't need to know about. Yeah. So, but we want to know. Why is social media so big, popular? And people do TikTok and Instagram and whatever else is out there, you know, Everybody's got to know. I got to know. I got to know. I got to know what's going on. We want to know. But we don't always know. And sometimes what we know has nothing to do with what is needed. So this is, this is the problem, our weakness. Notice that word weakness. The Greek word is asthenia. And asthenia is not a sickness. It's not necessarily a disease. Asthenia has to do with the, the the result of sickness and disease. Anybody ever had a really high fever, and you feel like what? Ugh! Yeah. You can't. You you just you, you're fatigued. You're weak. 
you can't can't even get up. You can't even talk. You know, you're so so drawn out. And so there's this. This is the result. As the this is this is our weakness. We want to pray for something, but I am weak. I don't. I don't. I don't know what to do. I don't know exactly how to pray. I, I can. I can tell God what I think, but I want to know what He wants to do. And so, we have this problem, this weakness. And so the idea here is we do not know. Now, the Greek word for know used in this verse is not the standard word gnosis, uh, gnosko, to know something, which has to do with learning. This is the Greek word oida, which has to do more with, with an understanding that is more complete. It's, it's like all of the gnosis goes together to give you understanding. And so the idea here is understanding that is um, helping you to attain something, helping you to get somewhere. It's not just information. Most of what we want to know is just information. But this is more the idea of, of knowing something more completely, knowing something more um, apparent, what's reasonable how to accomplish what I know about. You took driver's education class. You sat in the classroom and they told you about the steering and this and that and that. And then they put you in a car. And, uh, okay, well, it was horse and buggies back then, Bill, but that's okay. Um, but, um, but we took driver education. But... You had a lot of knowledge, but you didn't have a lot of understanding of how to actually drive this car. And so the first time you hit the brake, you threw everybody through the windshield. Is that right? And so it's like stop and start, stop and start. And you know, if it's standard transmission, you kill the engine, you know, and so and then your dad yells at you and, and you know, people behind you yell at you and anyway. Knowledge. But when I need to pray for somebody, I don't just need knowledge. I need understanding. My weakness is I don't know exactly how God is going to accomplish this. What really needs to be done? You know, we want to pray for our government. What really needs to be done? Well, we could wipe the slate clean and start all over, that would, might be a good idea. But anyway, the, the whole thing is there's, there's more here, and this is a weakness. And Paul says, God has given us the Holy Spirit to take hold together with us against this weakness. Now, he wouldn't do that if it wasn't important to get it done. And so let's continue with the idea of this phrase. We do not know what. Actually, in the Greek language, it's not just what, it's the what. We do not know the what. You have to put that in front of the word what, but that, it's like grammatically wrong. And if you put that in your papers, you know, your English composition teacher would, you know, write red all over as you flunked immediately. You don't put the in front of what. But 
we don't know the what to pray for as is necessary or as it needs to be. Indicating that there's a way that it needs to be that I don't know. Would you say that? I don't know the what to pray as is necessary. Can I put in the phrase to know? I need to know, but I don't know. So that's my weakness. And so what? I just throw my hands up and say, I don't know, God, just you just take care of it. I don't, you know, I can't do anything about this. I know you told me to pray, but I, I got no idea. I, I don't know what to do. No. God's given us a helper. And the helper is specifically there to help us with this very situation. Again, I said this word is so specific and so direct that it only applies in this situation and no place else in the New Testament. The Holy Spirit is going to take hold together with you against the weight of the problem so that you can pray as you ought to pray. Can I just finish out the thought? So that you can pray as you ought to pray. Now, listen to me. This is not you turning it over to the Holy Spirit. Okay, Holy Spirit, I don't know how to pray, so you go. You go. And he's going to say, you're not talking? I'm not talking. You're not praying? I'm not praying. You pray, I'll pray. You talk to God, I'll talk to God. And you say, well, isn't the Holy Spirit God? Yeah. But the Godhead speaks to one another. Did you know that? Yeah. Okay, they do. So... We don't know the what, the specific situation, the specific information that is necessary, as is necessary to know. Notice that phrasing. We find the weakness is our lack of specific knowledge. I don't have a clear understanding about what is really necessary to pray. And I thought about this as I was reviewing, I was talking to Dr. Treadway before class tonight. I'm on the board of a ministry called Blessings International. And they sent out their uh, Form 990, I think it is. Is that, is that what you file for a ministry? A 990, am I right? Is it a 990? Okay. See, I don't even know where the numbers are. And so I'm supposed to review it and tell them if I see anything wrong with it. It's 91 pages. 91 pages. I got no idea. But what if they said, it's up to you to find the problem? There's one thing wrong in here. Did you ever have a teacher give you a test like that? Write a paragraph. There says, there's one thing wrong in this paragraph. Find what's wrong. I hate you. Okay, anyway. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I didn't. But find what's wrong. I can't. I, I got no idea. I don't even know what I'm looking at. I, I can count page numbers. I can read numbers. We have one man on the board, and he, he writes back, and he's got about eight different points of things that were wrong with it. Okay. Fine, fix them. So they fix them, and I read that, and I say, okay, that's fixed. It's like, I don't know anything. I, I can't. I can't fix that. Well, 
so it is so much with things that we're called to pray for. It's like a 91 page 990. I, I don't even know where to go to find what's wrong. And to, to just say exactly what needs to be said. But something needs to be done. But I can't do it. So I need a mic to come along. I've got a better than mic. I got the Holy Spirit. And he comes and helps me with my prayer. So that I can pray what needs to be. Listen to what I said. So that I can pray what needs to be prayed. Not so that he prays what needs to be prayed. No. He's helping me with my weakness. And my weakness is I don't know. So if he's going to help me, what's he going to do? He's going to help me know what? What to pray. And so he's going to help me know the what to pray as I need to know what to pray. Because it's necessary that we pray in these ways. And so what we have done, because we're human, so what we have done is we've made up all kinds of steps and patterns and rituals and rules for prayer and traditions. And so we're going to go through all these 19 steps for prayer, you know, the seven steps to answered prayer, four different things. I'm going to choose the one with the smallest amount, you know, that's where I'm going for, you know. We want, we want to fix it ourselves. And God didn't say fix it yourself. That's your weakness. Don't try to fix your prayer so that you pray everything that needs to be said. Let the Holy Spirit give you the words to pray so that you can say what needs to be said. And so the breakdown is that we're trying to set the rules, but the Holy Spirit wants to be in control. He wants to help us. And so what does it say as we go on, look at the bottom of your page too, the Spirit himself. The Spirit himself. So he's the one that's going to take hold together with us against the weight of our weakness that we don't know what to pray. So the Spirit himself. And Paul could have just said, but the Spirit. But he throws in this preposition, or this pronoun, that reflects back on it. The Spirit himself. Don't think of anything else. This is the Spirit that's doing this. Don't take credit. Don't roll it back on yourself. The Spirit himself makes intercession. For us. Now here's where so many believers get this wrong. They say, well, if he's interceding, then I don't need to. No. Because as soon as you put down the log, what? He puts down the log. As soon as you stop talking, he stops talking. So you stop praying, he stops praying. So his intercession, the Greek word intercession is another one of these long words. The Greek word is huper intuncano, right? So it's a very, it's a very uh, long word. I think it's the top of your next page. Yeah, top of your next page, huper intuncano. Uh, and that's another fun word to say. But um, huper intuncano, it, intuncano is intercession, right? So just take the huper off of it and it's intercession itself. But to put hooper in front means intensive. 
This is, this is the Holy Spirit. Listen, listen. This is the Holy Spirit meeting with the Father and the Son. Because that's who the intercession is made to. And so he makes intercession for us. For us doesn't mean in our place. It means with us as the object. He makes intercession for us to receive. He's praying for me. Not in my place, but for me. You get that? That it is not him taking over for me, it's him praying for me. What's he praying for me? What's he meeting in his session with the Father about? What's he meeting in his session with the Son about? What are the, what are the three people in the Godhead, what are the three persons doing in this intercession? They're coming to a place where they'll give me the words to pray, and you think... This sounds crazy. They're going to give me the words to pray so that I can pray them so that God will do it. Like, what? Well, why doesn't God just do it? Because he wants me to pray. God's told us to pray. God didn't say, well, just let me take care of everything. And there's a lot of people that that's what they think. You know, it's like, well, Jesus intercedes for us. We're going to talk about that here a few lessons down. Jesus ever living to intercede. Well, then if he's, if he's interceding, I don't need to. And God's going to do what he wants to do anyway. No, he's waiting for you to ask. Just because your father had the pantry at your house stocked with food doesn't mean that you get to eat if you don't ask for the food. And so it is that God has purposed things, and he wants us to ask. Ask, and I will do it. Well, if you're going to do it, then just do it, and I don't have to ask. But that's not what God has said. Why? And I want you to get this. Because when we pray, it glorifies him. Amen. When we ask, it glorifies him. If he just does it, nobody knows. I, no, I don't have to get out there every morning and pray for the sun to rise. God's just doing that. But there are things that God is not going to do if I'm not praying. But I don't always know how to pray. I don't know the words. I don't even know exactly what needs to be done. I'm totally overwhelmed. Sometimes it's so overwhelmed in the situation or with, with the, the greatness of the problem, I don't know how to pray. So, the Holy Spirit takes hold together with me against the weight to give me words to pray so that God will do, that's our lesson for next week, verse 27, so God will do according to his will. And how is he going to do according to his will? Because the Holy Spirit helped me know what needed to be done. So he intercedes, he makes intercession for us, with us as the object. And so this is totally to the glory of God. I didn't even make up the answers for this. God does. I didn't, I didn't have to come up with a solution. God did. Now, sometimes, you know, we, we roll ourselves into prayer, and it sounds like we're telling God what to do. Well, if he's given you those words, then do it. 
But if you're just making it up, then is this you? So I want to pray according to his purpose. And so the, the, uh, the verb that's used here, hooper and tuncano, the form of the verb means that, that while the Spirit is the one doing, we are the recipients of the work. While he's the one that is interceding, we're the one who is the recipient. Not the people we're praying for. This is, this is where we make a mistake. We roll into this and we think, well, I don't know how to pray for the person, so I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit intercede for them. No, he's not going to intercede for them. He's going to intercede for you. That's why when we go to prayer meetings and we spend all this time in a prayer meeting, we leave feeling great because we've prayed, we've built ourselves up, we feel good, everything's good. But have we accomplished what God wanted to do? Have we prayed what he wanted to give us and so uh, i put this this little phrasing up there as we are praying he is praying we pray for the need as we know it and he prays for us to have the knowledge to pray precisely what is needed so i pray as i know and as he gives me more information i pray that as he releases things, how many have had something that you pray one day and you get this and another day you get that or another time you go to prayer and you get this? And so God keeps helping you understand exactly, fine-tuning, bringing forth exactly what needs to be accomplished. And so the idea of this is that God is doing this. And we'll talk more about this in our lesson next week. But all of this is the Godhead putting this together so that he is glorified through our praying, not us. It is God who is glorified. Because prayer is humbling. I'm saying, I don't know how to do this. I'm going to call on God who does. Otherwise, I wouldn't pray. If I know everything, I don't need to pray. But I don't. And so I need God. I need God to help. But I don't always have the answers. And I don't always have the solutions. I don't even know what... What exactly I need to pray. So Holy Spirit help me. And here, here's what it says. What does it say? His praying is with groanings which cannot be uttered. He prays with groanings which cannot be uttered. The word uttered in the Greek language is a word which means articulated. They're, they can't be heard. They can't be understood. It's It's groanings. It's the Greek word is deep sighings. And again, groaning has a lot of times to do with the frustration. And the frustration is he's taking on that burden of me. I'm frustrated. I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to pray. And the Holy Spirit takes that on and goes to the Father. And so he speaks to the Father so that he then has the words. He gives the words to me so that I can speak the words to God. And so that the prayer can be accomplished as it is said i don't know what to pray as is necessary to pray and so god wants me to know now i want to get into something here and it will begin something that we'll talk about more in our next session but that is the whole idea of praying in the spirit now the groanings that is mentioned here is not praying in the spirit because the groanings are from the holy spirit is that right 
But the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 14, there's your note, 1 Corinthians 14, verse, 15, verse 14, says, if I pray in tongues, my spirit prays. So praying in the spirit or praying in tongues is me praying. This verse says it's the Holy Spirit praying. That's not tongues. This is the Holy Spirit himself speaking to God in inarticulate ways. I don't even know what he's doing. I, I don't know. I can't hear it. I don't understand it. But you know what? I know he is. In words which cannot be uttered. And so the whole idea here is that there are things that is going on between the Holy Spirit and the Godhead. Helping to bring forth understanding. And it says, when I'm praying in tongues, it is my spirit that is praying. When I'm praying with my understanding, it is my mind that is praying, right? And so I'm limited in my mind, so then I begin to pray in the spirit. Now that may be a subject that for some that are listening you know, to this series, praying in the spirit or praying in tongues is something you've never heard about, you don't even understand. And we'll talk more about that in our next session. But... The idea behind this is that God has given us a way to commune with him that, listen to me, prayer in the Spirit is not about you praying for God to do something for someone else. Praying in the Spirit is for you. When you pray in the Spirit, you are the recipient of its benefit. You are the one who receives. You are praying in the Spirit, and you are the one who is being built up. You are the one who is being encouraged. You are the one who is being informed. And God begins to give you wisdom and understanding. But behind your praying in the Spirit is the Spirit himself making intercession to the Father. So that what I end up praying is according to the will of God. Now, this all comes down together. And again, this is something that we'll build on into in our next session. So what does Paul say? Look at 1 Corinthians 14. There, It's about, almost about the middle of your page. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14 says, If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. People say, well, my mind is unfruitful. That means it's, it's, it's not coming through my mind. No, unfruitful means it's not being produced by your mind. If a tree is unfruitful, it means it's not producing fruit. It doesn't mean it's not receiving fruit. So people have said, well, if you're praying in tongues, you don't know what, you don't get anything back. Yeah, you do. Encouragement, strength, wisdom, peace, joy, information. There's all manner of things that come back to me. It just means that my mind is not producing it. That's what the word, my mind is unfruitful. I'm not producing the prayer. Where is it coming from? My spirit man. The new creation that I am on the inside is speaking in a language to God. That is direct communication with the Lord. And what is the purpose of that? Paul says in verse 15, What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, and I will pray with my understanding also. I'll sing praise with my spirit, I'll sing praise with my mind also. Notice the, notice the pattern. Sing with the spirit, then sing with the understanding. Pray with the spirit, then pray with the understanding. That's the pattern. Why? Because when I pray in the Spirit, then God gives me things that I can pray with my understanding. This is part of that, what the Holy Spirit is doing. While I am praying, He is giving me words. He's giving me help. 
He's helping fine-tune my prayer. He's helping me to direct my prayer, to make it precise, to say exactly what needs to be done so that the will of God can be accomplished. All of this is fulfilled through the work of the Holy Spirit. And this goes together with the whole idea of why God has given us this, what we call a prayer language or the ability to pray in tongues. So, I gave you a paper. Um, for those who are listening online, this, this will be a second paper that is there. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And it's, it goes down through, coated with red and blue, as to whether it is you praying to God, or the gift of tongues, which is God speaking through someone to the congregation. So, the big difference in the direction of these, prayer, who is the object of our prayer? Who are we praying to? God, right? So our prayer goes to God. When a gift of tongues, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the gift of tongues comes forth, who is the recipient of that? The congregation, the people. So, prayer in tongues is me talking to God. The gift of tongues is God speaking through someone to the people so that they can be blessed. And the idea of this is that prayer is something that God has given through what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit, through uh, this, this work that God has done in believers who have the Holy Spirit by new birth, but the baptism is when the Spirit of God comes upon us, not just in us upon us and through this we have this wonderful thing called the gift of tongues or prayer in tongues and so we can pray in tongues we can commune with God in other tongues we can worship God in other tongues and what is the benefit of that what is the benefit of this several things I put down here the Holy Spirit wants to help us in our prayer Because my weakness is I don't know exactly how to pray. So what happens? When I pray with the Spirit and with the understanding, God helps me pray more specifically. I can meditate in God's Word, and God can help me pray more specifically. I can commune with God, speak to God directly. Did you know you can talk to God? We can talk to God directly, and He can help us understand. And through praise and worship. It's at times when we are worshiping God and praising, sometimes God fills us with understanding and grants us insight into something that maybe we weren't even thinking about. But God does these things as we open ourselves to Him. This is the work that God wants to accomplish. So going back to this passage, Romans chapter 8, verse 26, the Holy Spirit helps our weakness. How's He helping our weakness? He's helping us to pray helping us to pray the things that need to be said, helping us to form the prayer right, helping us to release into this earth the things that God wants us to say instead of us just saying what we want. It's not my prayer, it's God's prayer. It's God giving me words so that I can talk to Him and He can answer. It sounds sounds like it's some kind of trick. 
If God's going to answer what you ask Him and He's going to give you the words, then why doesn't He just do it again? Why? Because He gets the glory. When I pray, God is glorified. When I pray, I am putting my place below God and saying, I trust you to do this. Whether, listen, listen to me, whether I see the answer or not, God is glorified by my praying. Because the answer might not come in my lifetime. It might not happen when I even know what happened. I might pray for something. I may never know that it actually took place. And the beautiful story that I've told before about the lady across the street that prayed for three little sailors that were always drunk and disorderly. And, uh, and she prayed for these three sailors and believed that God would save them. Eighteen years later, I'm teaching here at Grace Church in my, in my class. And she's saying, I lived in Norwich, Connecticut, and I had a little bookstore, and there were these three sailors that lived across the street, and I prayed for them. And I stopped her, and I said, Doris, that was me. <laughs> I, was, I was one of those. I was not the drunken, disorderly one. <laughs> but um, 18 years. She had no idea that that prayer had ever been answered. But here I am, serving God, doing the work of the ministry, and she didn't even know. And those other two sailors are born again. And the other two guys got born again also. You know, we don't know. My grandfather prayed for me to be born again. He died four years before I was. Death did not stop his prayer from being answered so God can give us things it's not whether I see the answer or even know that the answer God is glorified just because I prayed and when I yield myself to the spirit he's going to help me pray according to his will and that's what we'll talk more about next week so we're going to Cut off there at the beginning. We'll, we'll start uh, the purpose of praying in the Spirit next week because this is an important issue and it is something that a lot of people uh, may have never been introduced to but that they need to hear. Pastor. I was say, I, you might have heard this before, but when I taught Romans 8 and came to Auntie Lombardo, you know, yeah. soon Auntie Lombardo, the Holy Spirit works with us, that he doesn't start with what we start. The analogy that, my, that I got was my dad had a 1948 Buick straight A before power anything came out. And my dad liked to drive that car, but my mom hated it because there was no power steering. And the, the, the straight A that was so heavy oh my. that the front end, she couldn't turn and she hated it. And she used to gripe about that car all the time. And she said the worst thing she ever did was trying to do parallel parking with she just oh no, I was like, uh, and yeah, don't, and she'd stand up and turn the wheel. And the next car I got, to, you know, for her, was a 55 Chevy. Oh my. You know, and the 55 Chevy had power steering in it. She never quit talking about it. She said, I can steer with my little finger. Said, I look how easy everything turns on it. Yeah. But the analogy I got was she couldn't yell at the steering wheel, turn right. It didn't kick in until she moved. Yeah. When she put right. Her hand on it and started moving, then that, that then it, 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 it engaged. Cutting, cutting in. And 
And so it's the same way with us. Great principle. Yeah, the Holy Spirit to do something, but the moment we start, we start. Steps in and eases our troubles Yep. He steps in and immediately helps us with, with our with our need, with our weakness. <laughs> Good illustration for weakness. Does it matter if we pray in the spirit or in the understanding? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. He's gonna help us either way. Because there's a lot of people that don't have the you know, praying in spirit. They don't know what that is. They've never done it. But anytime you're praying, he's helping. Paul didn't Paul didn't limit this to praying in the spirit. He didn't say that anywhere in here. It's just that it's one of the benefits that God has given us, and we'll talk more about that in our session next week. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. I thank you, Father, that you help this to to be real to those who are hearing it. Father, I know that you know there are many things that I have introduced uh, that might be confusing, and I thank you, Father God, that you, by the Spirit, will help to straighten this out and help to bring forth understanding in the hearts and minds of those who are here to encourage as, as we engage in prayer, you will help us to fine-tune our prayers to say exactly what needs to be done. And I thank you that you will do this, that you might be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen.